0: Blog Talk Radio <laughs>
1: Everybody and welcome to episode 56 of Trundle Bed Tales. And tonight we have a special guest, Dean Butler from the Little House on the Prairie TV show, in honor of the 40th anniversary. But before we get to that, we've got just a little bit in the way of housekeeping. And I wanted to make sure that everybody knew the numbers to call in. If you wanted to call, the number is 714-242-5253. That's 714-242-5253. Or toll-free, 1-877-633-9389. That's toll-free, 877 You can use that both to call in and ask a question. And if you ever want to listen to the show when you're out and about and can't stream it during a live show, you can also call those numbers to listen in. And we currently have our chat room open, so you can also ask ask questions or leave a comment that way. We have a couple more episodes lined up this month, and I think it's just going to be a great summer. So we hope that we'll see you again listening to Trundle Bed Tales, and I think that's it for the housekeeping. (laughs) And time to welcome our guest, Dean Butler. Welcome to the show, Dean.
2: Thanks, Sarah. It's nice to be with you.
1: Why don't you start out by just for the people who don't know, give just a little brief background on who you are.
2: It's hard to imagine that anybody who has uh, <laughs> knowing what a devotee of Little House you are, sir. It's hard to imagine anybody that will be listening to your show would not have some awareness of the Little House television series, and then uh, by association, uh, my involvement in it. But um, I started. Uh, I started in Little House in 1979. Um, I was uh, just a graduate of the University of the Pacific, a recent graduate of the University of the Pacific up in Stockton, California, uh, which is in California's beautiful Central Valley, uh, sort of the breadbasket, one of the breadbaskets of America. Um, And I came down from Stockton and started working on Little House on May 22nd. Uh, May twenty second, nineteen seventy nine and continued my involvement with the show for for five full seasons, um, through nineteen eighty three. And I have been I've been connected with it you know always. Okay. Since yeah. then. I, you wanna stop me there?
1: Oops. Yes.
2: Um
1: so as everybody okay. who you are, let's say this is this is the 40th anniversary of the show and it's been yes. 31 years since it ended does it really seem like it's been that long it's a
2: you know it's amazing I, it's hard for me to it's hard for me to imagine any time when Little House was not a part of my life uh, after as you say after 31 years which is just blows me away but um it has been a constant part of my life for all of those years. And, uh, and when it's been that many years, it feels like a lifetime. Really? Um, It is, Little House is other than my family, you know, my, my given family and my wife and uh, a few close friends. Little House is the most enduring association of my life. And uh, you know, I, I never fail to tell people how, gracious, how the gratitude I feel for that association. It's just the gifts, have been, the gifts have been endless. And it's mostly in the form, Sarah, of affection that comes from a global audience that loves what we did and loves the source material of the Laura Ingalls Wilder books that Are the source material for the series so it's just it's just an ongoing love affair with little house and and i fully expect it to continue for the remainder of my life i think you know i'll be i'll be happily associated with little house uh you know uh, until i take my final breath on this earth
1: well it is really a rare gift particularly in acting but really in any career anymore that to be able to be associated if not Steadily working with one organization or one property for so long, so it really is a, a gift, and and certainly a lot of love towards it.
2: Now, well, there's no doubt about to... it. and the the well, you know, because you're a part of it, but you know that the affection that comes at this property, it's it's uh, the books in the series is just can be at times overwhelming. It's 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 sometimes it's it's hard to fathom the passion and love people have for the Laura Ingalls Wilder books and the little house series that I was a part of. Um, and I have always viewed that as it, yes, it's a gift and it's also a responsibility. You know, you, I, I've always felt like I need to, um, I need to honor that love and affection that comes at all of us because of our association with this beautiful with this beautiful piece of material
1: Yeah, you mentioned the book did you read the little house books when you were growing up
2: i did not the little house books were and i i come from a pretty literate family um but the little house books were not part of of um family reading uh, my grandfather was an english teacher um, he wrote plays for children um and he loved words and loved to write and so on and but this the the Loringels Wilder books were not part of it for us growing up and you know i and I'll just get this right out of the way up front uh Sarah I did not read actually read the books in their entirety until after the series was over, and you know. When I started on the show, um, Michael Landon said, the only thing you need to be concerned about is what I'm writing, and um, do your best with that, and everything's going to be fine. Now, I did do some reading about the period. I without reading specifically the Laura Ingalls Wilder books, I bought them right away. I sort of skimmed them right away. I got a sense of the tone of the books, but I didn't really sit down to enjoy the books until after the series was over. And I I have to say that uh, I absolutely loved the books when I read them and and I realized it was maybe the light coming on for me and I realized that uh, I realized where all this affection was coming from Because I knew, obviously, through the years, people would always relate the books to me. But because we were so busy doing what we were doing, um, the books just were not really in the forefront of my thinking. But once I read them, I said, wow, this is really spectacular material. It's touching and personal. And um, I, I think the thing that I always feel happy about Sarah as I reflect on the experiences um, where the series and the books are concerned and there are are certainly those people who read the books and are devoted to the books who you know are, are not necessarily enamored with what we did with the series But what I think we did do extremely well always is we captured the tone and feeling of the books, I think, in a very real romantic way. And I think these books are, they are a very romantic telling of this time. Um, They're a childlike telling of this time that Laura lived in from at least the perspective. She wasn't a girl when she wrote the books, but amazingly she was able to tap into that time in her life and capture the feeling and spirit that she may have had during those years. Um, and, you know, we, you know, we don't, re- go ahead.
1: It's interesting that, that you you mentioned that is because that is something that a, a lot of people talk about is the way that her narration starts as if she is a very small child and then really grows as she ages and that's something that the books are really noted for in literary Mm -hmm. circles so Mm -hmm. i'm it's interesting you you point that out and i'm always glad to hear um, a male say that they like the books just because there is such that stigma that they're girl books and i don't think that's really true at all yeah
2: there's so much i don't think i agree with you i don't think it's true either i i think uh i think it's easy look you look at the cover art you look at all that—it's very easy to tag them as girls' books, but you're right—they're not. It's a much broader experience than that. And I think any young boy who was who exposed to the books, um, if they could get past the stigma, would, would love them and hopefully just experience them for uh, the pleasure of the read, which is really a nice one.
1: Well, let's move on i've got a couple questions about the show uh one you had done a lot of work with horses on the show and of course almanzo is known for his great skill with horses had yes. you had experience with horses ahead of time or were you learning all that on the fly
2: well it's it's a it's it's yes i'd had a lot of experience around horses but only up to a point um I grew up on a, I spent summers through my youth from the time I was a tiny, tiny boy up through my high school years and into college um, at a, a family ranch that we have in the San Francisco Bay Area that's been in my family for now you know, nearly a century. And um, we had horses and, and uh, so we rode every day. You know, but we were ri- and we were riding Western stock saddles and um, and so the idea of being around large animals, whether it be horses, cows, anything like that, was very familiar to me and very comfortable to me, and so that was a relatively that was a relatively easy thing. I think the part of it that was a little different. Uh, was the carriages and the, the wagons, the buckboards, the, all of that? Because that's a very different experience. Driving a team, driving a single horse, as opposed to being on the horse's back, riding the horse is uh, is just it's, it's just a different set of skills. It's a different feel. Um, you're not quite as connect. You're not as connected to the animal. Um, so you know there is a, there are subtle there are subtle differences there, but I think, I, I think I was able to grasp that. I mean, by early, by early on, I mean, I certainly had no fear of the driving. It just needed some practice to do it so that I felt like I could do it and not, uh, embarrass myself. But we had great wranglers on the show who, you know, talked about how to hold the lines and how to, you know, how to pull up the slack and the lines and feel the horse and the, and these were also wonderfully trained picture horses too, where, you just sort of pointed them in the direction you wanted them to go and they were going to go there. This, this was; These were not challenging horses to drive by design. That's the way it needed to be because they, they had to be comfortable around cameras and lights and the crowds of people and vehicles and all that. And the horses were fantastic.
1: And it really – it's one thing that, that I'm really sorry to see happening in Hollywood, but I think that the support system that used to be there that made westerns eat, easier to make and cheaper to make, sure. it's kind of disappearing. So now when you do have a Western, you almost have to rebuild and reassemble that kind of team. You can't just go and call them up. And I think it's too bad because I think it really is a genre worth exploring further. But so goes
2: the time. Well, it's a, it's a uniquely, to your point, it's, uh, Sarah, it's a uniquely American genre. There's no doubt about that. And um, And there was an entire sub-industry, geared to supporting that and you're now because that it has been allowed to languish a little bit um, it is extraordinarily expensive to to tool that up if you need to but the good news is that when Hollywood really wants to do something when a major studio really wants to do a particular movie or television show they will find the talent it's out there and it will be reconstituted and you know it'll all it'll all come together but it is not as easy and automatic as it used to be the rolodex is not as large as it was 30 years ago
1: there's a saying in reenacting that it was uh cheaper to live in the 19th century in the 19th century than the 21st and i think <laughs> that's probably true
2: Ah, yeah, I, I would. I would think so. I mean, there's just there's so many things that you have to go out and find in order to do this authentically, uh, and those things to find them in good working order or to recreate them so that they look like they could be part of that time. Yeah, it's not an easy task and not inexpensive.
1: So uh, another story that I really like uh, from from the show was your characters. Hat changed during the last season that you were in production. So do you want to tell us a little bit about that?
2: You know, I had uh, one of my best memories um, working on the show was one of the first meetings I had with Michael Landon where he was really working with the men's costume designer to figure out what I was going to wear and how I was going to look and so on. And I remember coming down to that meeting and going to his office and the costumer had a whole, you know, different shirts and pants and boots and laid out, but there were also a number of hats and, um, Michael immediately gravitated to this brown round top, um, crownless, um, hat fedora that, um, that just he liked it because it, it reflected a simplicity, uh, a simplicity of the man. And I, I think it was when he explained to me that, um, that hats in the Western genre, and it's true with all hats, really, any hat that we buy says something about us, but there was something archetypal about hats in the Western genre, there is something archetypal about hats in the Western genre. And, and so the, the sort of the, the crownless hat, the round topped hat that I wore, reflected in Michael's mind a very simple, pure spirit that he was trying that he wanted to evoke on the show. And he said, "You know, this is the kind of hat that that uh, you know the Dan Blocker wore playing Haas." And of course, for Michael, because because Bonanza was Michael's frame of reference for Western television and a very good one, having, since it went on for 14 seasons, Michael had had a lot of opportunities to form his opinions and, and his way of thinking about the Western genre through that experience. And the Haas hat was this round topped hat and Haas was just a good, simple, honest, forthright guy. And, um, and he wanted Almanzo to be, and you'll notice I say Almanzo because I've been converted. Um, but at the time we were saying Almanzo and I have no idea how that happens, Sarah. I really don't. Yeah. Uh, but he you know, put the hat that. on me and he said, this is, this is who you need to be. You need to be the simple forthright guy. And this is important because you know, we're going to be creating this relationship with, for Laura, with this character and, the audience can't feel threatened by this kid. and they can't be nervous for her. They can't feel threatened for her, uh, that Laura's going to be in over her head, that she's going to be in danger that this is someone who's coming at her that is not appropriate for her. You know, and, and I think that was a big con- I know that was a big concern of his, and I think it was a big concern of the networks as well. And the hat was part of making that presentation. And then, of course, the other part of it was just the hiring of the person, which in this case happened to be me. But um, but I think that hat would have found – a hat like that would have found its way onto the head of almost anybody who would have ended up playing this part. In the last season of the show, Michael or at NBC wanted something of him to remain as part of the picture that people were seeing as a way of reminding – audiences about him. And so Michael gave me his hat to wear or one. He had many of these hats, but he gave me one of these hats, which I still have to this day, by the way, I do not have oh, wow. the, 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 I do not have the leather hat that I wore, but I do that I wore initially, but I do have the hat that Michael gave me. And that, that is uh, part of my, that's one of my most treasured possessions at this point. But I think that was really just about, that was really about, Move keeping his presence in and a sign of maturity on the show. Uh, in reflection or upon reflection, I wish we hadn't changed the hat. But you know, that's because guys don't change their hat. That's that's your hat, and um, it should have stayed my hat. But I got the spirit of what Michael was trying to accomplish, and so of course I wore the hat with uh, with a lot of pride and um, proudly, very proudly.
1: Uh, since you, you mentioned that you still had it, that just made me think, did you, did you get to take anything else from the show in the way of souvenirs or is, is that, was that the one you got to keep as a special thing?
2: Well, that was one of the things. I mean, it, mainly, you know, you couldn't just walk away with anything you wanted there. You know, this was one thing no, that no. the customers let me have. Um, I got a pair of suspenders that I wore, um, Pair of riding gloves, and I do have a shirt um, that I wore during those years that 's only really just a um, a great reminder that I am not as small as I was during those years so yeah i can 't put on the shirt anymore, but it does hang in my closet
1: well that 's kind of neat. I always like to know what what happened to props because they they Really mean so much, especially to people who watch and rewatch the episode. They don't. Oh, yeah. I don't think always mean quite as much to the actors who use them once. But when you rewatch it and see that particular thing over and sure. over again, it kind of. to Sure. Sends out the news for him. Well, we have a question from somebody who called in. So I think we're going to go ahead and put her on. And I think this is maybe Mary who had told me she was going to call in. Is it Mary? It is uh Oh good. So, sir. Mary told me Hello. Mary told me that she lives in Ireland but wanted to Oh call my. I well
2: I, I certainly communicate with Mary. I, I know who Mary is then.
1: Hello, Dane. So, How are you?
2: I'm fine. How are you, Mary? And it's nice of you to call. It must be late for you now.
0: It is, it is. It's after eleven o'clock. But I wanted to uh, ring in because I'm sure you know how much of a dream come true this is for me to actually get speaking to you personally.
2: <laughs> well, thank you for that, Mary. It's very kind of you. And uh, I, I love your dialect. I, I work with a guy every day now who has a wonderful Irish accent, and I, I love listening to it.
0: Well, thank you very much. That's a very nice compliment. Um, I I wanted to say that um, I watched the Today Show reunion last week and also Good Day New York online, both shows online last week, and I wanted to tell you that I thought all of the cast looked wonderful and all the interviews were absolutely great. I really enjoyed watching you all together again.
2: Well, thank you for that, Mary. And uh, we, uh, you know, I, I'm sorry we couldn't have gone on longer with uh, with the today interview. I oh, know no, it, it, was, was yeah, it
0: was very short. It
2: was very short. It was. We had. A, I think we had about ten minutes. And of course, yeah. there are eight of us there and two hosts, and you know, it's it's very hard to squeak a word in Edgewise in that kind of a format. But but it was the really fun thing was being there with the group that was there. And this was by no means the entire Little House cast. That was a, obviously we've lost a great many members of our cast, they've aged and are gone. Then others are not able to travel anymore because they're at at a point where they don't want to get on an airplane anymore. And then there were just a, a lot of cast members who just, you know, could not be there. So it was nice for the eight of us to be able to represent and actually, you know, Mike Jr. was not a member of the cast, although he appeared on the show a couple of times. But it was nice for him to be there representing his father, uh, who will always be central in all of our thinking about Little House. Um, you know, it was just it was a, it was great to be together and enjoy each other's company. And I think I, I'm really grateful for that that we all still enjoy being together and these these little experiences that we have. And this is sort of a large one being the 40th anniversary of the show, but this is really a nice thing to be able to, to look at each other, look each other in the eye and really recollect what we did together and celebrate together that we've done something that people continue to love and enjoy. And that's just the most incredible gift of our lives.
0: Oh, yes, I, I'm very grateful for the show as well-being because, you know, I enjoy it so, so much. And, you know, it, as, as I say, it's a real privilege for me to actually get speaking to you, you know, now. But um, another thing I wanted to thank you for was, uh, you may not know this, or you, you may, but last week uh, it was me who asked you to post um, photos of the reunion on Twitter, and you very yes. kindly replied. That that was me. <laughs> that well, was me. very good. So,
2: See, so, I'm, so yeah, so I I was able to get a selfie of, uh, of Melissa,
0: and Melissa and I at the
2: photo session. Yes, yeah.
0: Yes, and it was I, I appreciate. I sorry for uh, interrupting you. Um, I appreciated that, so thank you very much for that. It, You're it was welcome, a real Mary. treat for me to uh, receive that. So thank you, and I, I wrote a wee comment on your Facebook page basically just saying the same thing, thanking you for it. Um, there was one question, though, I wanted to ask you, if you don't mind.
2: That's uh, fine.
0: Um, besides your own character, what other character in Little House would you have liked to have
2: played? Oh, boy. Besides my own character. <laughs> that's, that's funny. Um, you know, er, you know, it's it's interesting. It would have required a gender change, you know. But <laughs> um, uh, you know, everyone would love to be a villain. And, you know, so you know, it would be great fun to have been Mrs. Olson or to have been Nellie. You know, well, it, yes. it, if you could, if you could do that, because the villains are always the best characters. I mean, I think yes. you know audiences love romantic characters, but. You know, we just loved. We loved to hate the villain, and we had two great villains. Oh yes, yes, on the show.
0: Yes, Allison, Allison and Catherine Allison McGregor were, were, were absolutely just. absolutely brilliant.
2: Yeah, they were fantastic. They were yeah. fantastic, and um, well, and then then if, to stay in my own gender, of course, you know, who wouldn't have loved to have been Pa? But you know, there's only you can't you can't ever. No one will ever displace Michael Landon as Pa. No. He was the ultimate Pa, and and really the ultimate guiding force of what we did.
0: You know, mm-hmm. he was
2: just he was just amazing.
0: Yes, yes. Uh, um, I I have uh, the new DVDs that are out. You know, the remastered episodes. Yeah. And yeah. they they look absolutely wonderful. And the documentary is great too. You know, the first part, anyway, at least, is, yeah. is absolutely wonderful. I, you know, I, I'm glad I purchased them. I, I I'm glad you the... did.
2: I'm glad <laughs> you did too, Mary. I'm glad you did too. And, you know, when I first saw that, when I first saw the remastered footage, yes, um, I was just blown away by it. I thought this mm-hmm. is people are going to absolutely love this. It is more beautiful than they ever saw it on television.
0: It really um,
3: is.
2: Yeah, and so to to get to see it this way now, 40 years later, and get mm-hmm. to see it completely restored in the original uh broadcast running times with all the content there is really an amazing treat to have. It it's it's pretty cool.
0: It is. It is. I I had the DVDs um anyway, as you know, but I, I once I heard that you know there was new remastered ones coming out with a new documentary and new special features. I just said to myself, you know, I got to have these. You know what I mean? So I really can't wait for the other seasons to come out too.
2: Well, the uh, the the uh, second season in the United States comes out tomorrow, mm-hmm. yes. uh, in advance of Mother's Day.
0: Yes, yes. I've already pre-ordered that. So. Um, Hopefully, I should get it within a couple of weeks to a few weeks. I'm really looking forward to that.
2: I hope you um, do, Mary.
0: Oh yes. Well, I, w- I won't keep you any longer, Dean, because I'm sure there's other callers waiting to get on to, uh, you know, get on to speak with you. So I appreciate the time that you've taken to speak to me. And as always, you know them on Twitter and Facebook. Well, um, I enjoy talking to you on there, and I appreciate your kind replies to me always.
2: Well, thank you, Mary, and thank you for being such a uh, really thank you for being such a devoted little house watcher. I mean, it's uh, it's it's you you give us all a gift when you do that. So, uh, Dean, let's yeah. uh, talk
1: about move uh, to the next sort of move on to the next sort of group of questions. Uh, you moved on to other things as an actor after the show ended. What do you see as some of your non Little House highlights from your career?
2: Well, look, I, I mean, I certainly did other things, and I, I'm glad that I was able to work on work on other other kinds of projects. Um, you know, I, I went from Manly to Moon Doggy, you know, to being going from Little House to the to digit. A remake of Gidget that happened in 1986 and 87 um, which was great fun and uh, I love Karen Richmond who I worked with is, who played Gidget uh, very different kind of relationship was possible there than what I was able to do what, what Melissa and I were able to do together it was a much more sort of had a lot more heat in it and it was you know it was sort of a sexy fun relationship to play um, so that was fun, yes, I, and then I watched what's that? The
1: new I watched the new gadget just because you were in it.
2: <laughs> ah, well, and that's very, and that's how nice, and you know, and it really just sort of, I think, because Columbia had a dispute with the syndicator of the show, it's gone into a vault, and no one really has seen it for twenty plus years. I mean, it's just, or more, twenty five years. It's it's too bad because it was a cute little show. I mean, it wasn't, listen, it wasn't, it wasn't Little House. It wasn't groundbreaking or timeless. But Gidget as a property, as, a, as, a, as an iconic character for young women, in many ways is like Laura is an iconic character for young women, just a different kind of icon, but nonetheless a very important young female icon and to be able to be associated with those two characters in a very, in a very special, direct, close way is, I think, one of the things I'm most grateful for in my career. And then later after that, I very briefly, you know, I played Buffy's dad on Buffy the Vampire Slayer. That was very brief, but that was, Buffy became, you know, a 21st century Icon for young women, so you know I feel really fortunate that I've, you know, that I've had a 19th, 20th, and 21st century uh, association with three great American female characters. Um, On the stage, I did a, I was, I loved going to Broadway and doing the original Broadway production of Into the Woods during the, during the late 80s. Um, you know, living in New York and working on Broadway, doing eight shows a week. There was just an extraordinary experience to be surrounded by and and part of that community. Um, You know, it's the most talented people in the world are working there just in terms of pure energy talent. There's just nothing like that. It's and anybody who's worked on Broadway, I think would probably concur with that. It's just an exceptional group of people and um that was thrilling and and then you know I came back from that and continued to then after that obviously that's buffy happened after the after the broadway experience happened but in the night in the mid 1990s I started focusing on producing and uh, I just I had had the opportunity to make a little documentary about the life of my grandfather and he wanted his story told and I had just finished watching the Ken Burns civil war documentary. And I was totally enamored with that. That was just, that was a groundbreaking game changing documentary. Um, And so I set out to tell his story and I loved, I got an experience that I'd never had as an actor. And that was, being fully involved from the beginning to the end, you know as an actor, you're the last one hired, you're generally the first one done, and all of the work there's a huge amount of work that precedes rolling the camera, and there's a huge amount of work that that follows the rolling of the camera. And the portion where the film was actually being shot is the smallest part of the project. It's probably the most expensive part of the project, but it's the shortest duration of time of all the work that gets done. And I came to realize very quickly when I started producing that this is really where, where the fun is, is in the thinking of the idea, executing the idea, and finishing the idea. And... I just fell in love with that and I knew that my life was going to follow a different course from after having done that first after having done that first show and then I got involved with motorsports and I got involved with the Olympics and uh, and obviously uh, I stayed involved with Little House producing bonus content for series DVDs and then two independent productions about about uh, Laura Angles Wilder and now I'm producing a show for Golf Channel in Florida featuring a a wonderful Irishman named David Faraday, who was just a great commentator and voice of the game of golf. And every week he interviews great personalities from sports and from golf, from sports at large, from politics, business. Um, And we have a great time putting that show together. And I can say I'm probably, as much as I am better known and will always be better known for Little House than anything else I've ever done, the pleasure, the pure creative pleasure of crafting something like the Faraday program or one of the Laura Ingalls Wilder programs that I've made is infinitely more satisfying on a deep down level because you're involved in it from beginning to end. And for me, that's a very special part of the, the pleasure of doing something is seeing it through from beginning to end.
1: So, after you moved into production, after a while you circled back to Little House with the bonus content in the documentaries. Which came right. first, visiting the home sites or deciding to create the documentaries?
2: I think it was actually visiting the home sites for the first time. I think and I my first home site visit was to Mansfield. And uh, they invited me to come for their Laura Ingalls Wilder days. And I think it was late. It was the late 90s, I think. And um, I'm certain it was like maybe 1998, something like that. 96, 97, 98 in that area. And I loved going there and walking in that house in Mansfield, and feeling like Lauren Elmanzo just stepped out to go to town and you could, you know, you, you could just imagine there could be, you know, a hot pot of coffee on the stove and, and uh, you know, and a piece of pie on the, on the dining room table. It just was, it was magical for me. And I think that really, that experience kindled my desire to make content because at that point I was really just stepping into production and getting serious about it and then all of a sudden all of this possibility jumped into my head and said wow i could reconnect with this i could reconnect with little house through the creation of specialized content about little house and um it was it was just it was a thrill making everything that i've made about little house because i can blend both sides of my life into that experience. Well, not both sides. There are many more than two sides. But I can blend the producing side with the acting side of my life together. And they work wonderfully together in that situation. So I, I've loved that. It's, uh, and I hope to do more of it.
1: Well, it really visiting the home sites. If if people out there haven't done it yet, I I really strongly recommend you try to get there if you can, because it really does make you feel um, like you're a bit more part of the story. Like you really, it, it makes it a little bit more real when you when you're right there. Um, no, no question. Now I know you've been. No question. That. I know you've been to the other home sites because I first met you at Baroque, which you probably don't remember, but you were really nice. And I remember you were supposed to leave for the airport and there was still a line because apparently – well, there was still a line and even though you – Really should go to guarantee you could make your flight, you stayed there signing stuff, and that really, really impressed me and I often use that as an example of, of excellent customer service because you just were wonderful <laughs> <back> that <then. laughs> day
2: well that 's nice, sir. thank you, and I do remember meeting you there then um, It seems like I, I feel as though you were omnipresent in the little house world I, I feel like you could you know go to any little house event and have a very good chance of seeing you there because you are you are very much a part of it um, but i I think that was you know Mansfield was my first visit, and then Walnut Grove was my second one i think and um, and that was the only one i haven't been to i think right now is at this point is independence kansas that's that's the one you know that's the one place I have not gotten to, and it's not for having not talked about it. We certainly have talked about it. It just hasn't worked out i I expect at some point it will um, but um, that is the one place i i I loved visiting them all and you know these are all these are simple, humble places um, and I think it's it is consistent with the simple, humble life that Laura and her family lived um, and you know, it's, she, she she didn't settle in big towns. Every place you, you really have to you really have to be prepared to cover some miles from any major place to get to any place that Laura lived. And um, I guess I think that's part of the symmetry of the whole thing.
1: Yeah, I one time had a conversation online with someone who was talking about how small Mansfield was, and I was kind of surprised because it's one of the bigger homesite towns. And yeah. then I found out her frame of reference was London. Yes, any of the site towns are going to be smaller than London.
2: Uh, yeah, I mean, they're going to be smaller by comparison to almost anything. You know, you really have to, to get smaller I mean, what does Walnut Grove have? A population of 1,500 people, and Mansfield probably has well, it's a little larger, and it's closer to places. But boy, I mean, you know, what Mansfield? What is it? You know, 10,000 maybe? If it, if it's could it be that many? Even I I don't know. Malone, uh, New York, you know that that's a pretty good population based but you feel like you know you're five miles from the canadian border you you know you just feel like you're out in the middle of nowhere i by the way and i just want to say i love uh malone new york i just think the the wilder homestead is just really exceptionally well put together and uh and i love the fact that it's still the only it's the only uh, the only house that Laura wrote about that 's actually still standing on its original foundations, and I think that 's a pretty cool thing and When I went there and you look at you know you stand in the kitchen of the of the wilder homestead or and you look at the Garth Williams illustrations and you realize that Garth Williams came there too and he stood in those rooms and he made his drawings and paintings based on that house that you can go and stand in yourself and you can put yourself right there and that is really, really cool.
1: Now, um, you in a way have become sort of the new spokesman for the show with all your work and the special features that started up uh, with the original release of the NBC series on DVD. Have you enjoyed being sort of the spokesman for the cast?
2: Well, listen, I think Melissa Gilbert will always be, in a large sense, the spokesman for our cast because of who she played and the love that people have for her. But, you know, I have I sought this, I sought out this role of, creating content and um being a part of this has been very important to me it's you know as I said earlier it's one of the great associations of my life and i'm very proud of it and and so i am committed to doing everything that i can do that helps keep it going you know, I, I I want people to continue. I I hope that people will continue to read the books and continue to watch the series. And you know, there were doubt there will at some point be you know more television about Little House or a movie about Little House. Obviously, there was a musical that ran for a short period of time. And I don't know that that will ultimately get to Broadway. But if it did, it would be a huge boost in the arm for the Little House property and make the awareness people might have of it. Um, you know, I think these things that are these things that are important to us, we have to nurture them. And for me, Little House is one of those things that just has to be nurtured. And it's it's not hard to do it. It's you just I, I just my intent is to stay connected to it and continue doing it, Sarah, because um You know, it it has rewarded me so enormously. Why would I not want to continue, uh, you know, not continue nurturing it and helping it to move forward? Because it's just given me everything. I mean, it really, it's even given me the woman that I fell in love with and married. I mean, you know, Catherine... I met Catherine when Catherine was coming to audition for Michael Landon to play the female lead in his spinoff of Little House, Father Murphy with Merlin Olsen. And Catherine got that job, and we didn't date during those years, but we, I certainly took notice of her. And we got together 15 years after Little House and Father Murphy were over with. But, you know, that connection to – to Michael Landon in those years is very important in both of our lives. So in many ways, Little House has given me, other than my blood family, has given me the most important relationships in my life.
1: Well, that is really a great thing to be able to say about something like that.
2: Yeah, I, I, now, feel, I'm, I feel very blessed for that, yeah.
1: Now, now, Mary had mentioned a little bit about the Restored Footage, and we kind of talked about that a little bit, but I wanted to spell out a little bit clearer for those people who haven't yet had a chance to to get a hold of the discs themselves. Are some of your bonus features going to be included as part of this re-release?
2: No, that none of the things that I made for Imovision are part of this new release. You know what we did back in 2008 were these were all. And they probably shouldn't have been, but when they were done, they were all standard definition packages because that's what that's what Imbivision was releasing was standard definition versions of the show um, so anybody who has the the older discs will always have access to the content that I made, and you know I may I well I think all of it's posted. I mean you can you could go on YouTube and find any of the things that I've made uh, about the show. What they've done now is they've they've created a, a multiple part documentary that will roll out with the seasons of the show as they as they present the seasons, uh, called the Little House Phenomenon. And I feel very fortunate to be narrating this documentary, so you know I get to see it as see it as I narrate it, and I've loved the first two parts of it. I just think the producer, uh, a gentleman named Gary LeVa, who um, cut his teeth as a producer of documentary bonus content by producing all the bonus features for the Star Wars films, um, you know this guy is really really good. Uh, I I think he's bringing something very special to our to our show by bringing a, just a different perspective to it and i think audiences who buy the season collections are going to love what he has crafted and he's getting i mean he's interviewed everybody now um virtually everybody who was involved with the series has been spoken to and so you're going as people as the things go on you're going to start to see audiences will start to see more and more members of the cast appear in these docs and uh, or this in this doc little house phenomenon that ultimately will have six parts and be 90 minutes long in totality and um it's it's really fun well it, it is
1: good to have new bonus features coming out but i i hope they don't lose track of that stuff you shot because um you know as, as time goes on that It's always good to see the older behind-the-scenes things. It it really is, because a lot of times the information isn't repeated, and it's good to see it. It it always reminds me, um, uh, when a new release comes out, it reminds me of that bit in Men in Black where they say, it's time to buy the White Album again. So it was time to buy the White Album again. This is about the, let's see, the fourth time I've bought the series.
2: Really? Wow. (laughs) Is it really the fourth time?
1: I bought it on Time Life on video, and then wow, I bought the single episode releases on DVD, and then the series box. And yeah, so this will be the fourth time. <sighs>
2: Hi, it's incredible. Well, you you are uh, you are truly devoted, and I, and I I know you're not alone because my God, I mean these things. Uh, the series continues to sell incredibly well domestically and internationally. And, uh, I think in talking to Lionsgate, who is doing the distribution on this while we were in New York, they, their feeling is that the show is, you know, it's, it's meeting their expectation as to what they thought it was going to do on a reissue. The not, you know, the nice thing about little house is that it will be around forever. It's, it's timeless. It was old when it was new. Um, It's not subject to fashion, Um, although I guess, you know, you could maybe ascribe some 70s and 80s hair to it, but for the men, maybe more than anybody else. But, you know, for the women, it's not a fashion thing. Um, It just works, you know, and uh, that's really a blessing. So, you know, it it, it will follow all of us to our uh, eventual ends on this earth and be enjoyed by generations to follow.
1: Well, I hope so. So I hope so too. We're, getting, we're getting nearing the end of the hour, so uh, I wanted to take a little time and talk about events planned this year in honor of the 40th anniversary of the series. The big one is planned for Walnut Grove in July. Are you going to be part of
2: that? Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, how could uh, that does seem to be the the big one? And you're right; there are there are lots of celebrations going on, but I think that the uh, the uh the people of walnut grove really put themselves out there to make this happen and they they did it in a very determined way and um i think there are going to be 10 or 12 of us there something like that which is um which is a really large number i think it'll be the largest number of us in one place um in for years frankly um it's it's going to be really yeah. fun i I think Walnut Grove is going to be challenged logistically to deal with all the people, but um, <laughs> hopefully they figured it all out. It, it, it's going to be fun. We we might all feel like we're back in the good old days.
1: Well, it well, Walnut Grove does tend to um, associate itself more with the TV show, I think, than some of the other home sites. Sure. Partly because and and. You, I don't know. You, you probably know this story, but you know it doesn't actually ever say the name of the town. in on the banks of Plum Creek, so their uh, mm. their um, tourism went from roughly about 750 the year before this regular series started to 15,000 the next year. So isn't
2: that incredible?
1: Um, they have that's a really that's amazing. Yeah, so, so they have a really uh, warm affection for the TV series, more so than sure, the stage sure. that's that completely cut out of the series. So, uh, there, it's, um, as I said, Walnut Grove is a big event, but there's going to be uh, smaller events around the country. Uh, where yeah. else are you going to be appearing this year?
2: You know, uh, because of my responsibilities with the, with the Faraday program that I do, I have not committed to being at any other events this summer. Um, It's just, I I know that, you know, fans of Little House who love Alison Arngren are going to see her everywhere. And Alison will be everywhere. There is a Little House event. I think, you know, she's, she is beloved by the audience, loved and hated, but you sort of love to hate her, which is great. You know, um, I think you're going to see Allison at, you know, you're going to see Allison at Heritage Hill and she's, I think she's doing Genesee uh, Village in New York and I, you know, uh, and she's all over Europe at this point. She's, you know, she's busy, busy, busy in this 40th anniversary year. This is a, this is a really big year and I, I think she sort of becomes the core of the little house cast that makes these appearances, then she'll be joined by different people at different events. But I, I think she's really, she's really cornered the market on, um, on appearing on behalf of little house. I, I don't think she, she hasn't, I don't think she's been to Malone, New York yet. Um, but if she did, she'd love it and they'd love her there, you know? Uh, but that's, I think I, I can't tell you all the places she's going to be, but I know I'm going to be in Walnut Grove at the end of July, and along with many of our other cast members, and it's going to be a, a terrific three days. And just hope that there's lots of water and um, and, and some shade somewhere. <laughs> it's going to be it's going to be hot, I'm sure.
1: Was there anybody you're especially looking forward to seeing again? Now you just saw a good chunk of people on the Today Show sure. reunion, but but anybody's going to be in Walnut Grove that uh, that you haven't gotten to see in a while?
2: Well, actually, you know, I spent I spent I was in Malone last summer with Lucy Flippin, who played my sister, and I just Lucy is fantastic, and and uh, I always love being with her. Um, you know, I just think it's going to be, it's just always nice to be together. Um, I've never, I have never met Rodimus Parra and who is, you know, who will be making this appearance in Walnut Grove. Um, And so I'm looking forward to meeting him. And, and uh, I think one of the Turnbaugh girls who played baby grace is going to be there. And, you know, they just, they have just grown up to be beautiful women and sweet and, you know, great moms themselves and, um, I think, God, who's going to, I think Hershey parody is going to be there who played, you know, who played Alice Garvey and, um, who, who died so tragically in the fire, uh, which was not, not so, not so fun, but you know, she actually got out alive. And so she, <laughs> she will be, I think in Walnut Grove. Um, it's going to be a nice group. It'll be a really nice group. Someone I'm sorry we never see um, is Jonathan Gilbert, and I, and and I can't really explain that. I think that I think Jonathan just went completely dark on everything to do with Little House, and maybe even dark on his whole family after when once he was old enough to go off on his own. And I I I think it's a it's sort of tough. You know, you only have one family. Um, he actually has two here. I mean, he has, well, he has his own family now. I think Jonathan's married and has his own family, but you know, he has, his he has his family in Los Angeles and he has his little house family and he doesn't really associate with either of the latter two. And, um, and I'm always sorry for that because he was so loved on the show and was so terrific on the show. Very memorable. Uh,
1: well, I. We're not going to get to the questions about the documentaries. Uh, Maybe I can have you back again sometime to talk about that, but I did want to at least give you a chance to to tell people about them, what they were just kind of shortly about, and where they can buy them if they would be interested.
2: Well, um, I can only tell people where they can get one of the documentaries at this point and and we would have to spend more time talking about it although it probably is not a subject that we really can talk about too much but the one the, the doc that people can get is my almanzo wilder life before laura and that's available at most of the little house home sites museum sites it's also available at com in my legacy doc shop you can also you can buy it or rent it on itunes um, and at amazon.com at this point. Um, I was involved in another program in 2012 called pause fiddle, the music of America, which I did with a group of people for PBS. And this was, this, this project really came to life at Laura Palooza in 2010. I met musicologist Dale Cockrell and who's just, charming and brilliant with this music and we put together an hour long show for PBS and so people can also buy the DVD of that show as well as the CD of that show at my uh, uh, LegacyDocumentaries.com and then we're also going to start selling the Little House series uh, the remastered series at LegacyDocumentaries.com too and I think that will be available within the week um, on on LegacyDocumentaries.com And then I've also acquired the Paz fiddle project. So all of that music that Dale Cockrell created now will become part of legacy documentaries and we'll be selling that, um, you know, for years now. And I hope there'll be more things related to little house. I, the one thing that I'd love to, you know, love to know was out there was the legacy of Laura Ingalls Wilder. It was out there very briefly and my partner in the project, um, has decided that they want to do something different with it. And I'm not sure what that is that they want to do, but that's their right to do that. And so they're not selling it now. Um, I don't know when it will be sold, and I wish I could answer definitively on that, but it, I can't. And, you know, for those who were able to get it while it was out there last year, enjoy it because it's not likely to be out there again for quite some time. Well,
1: that's too bad. It's, it's always hard when there's a failure in the market and people want something and they can't get it. But uh, I understand, you know, things change for people. Yeah, so, exactly. Uh, do you want to give uh, your website address for Legacy Document?
2: LegacyDocumentaries.com, and that's all one word, LegacyDocumentaries.com. Um, you can search it by me, by Legacy Documentaries, but it it will show up. And then, of course, my Legacy Doc shop is there too, so where you can buy the various merchandise, um, the various collectibles for Laura Ingalls Wilder. I, Sarah, thank you for having me on your show. It, you're really kind to have me.
1: Well, I, I was really glad to have you on, and. Uh, and we're always glad to find out what's going on in a different little pocket of Little House fandom. And I'm sorry we didn't get more of the documentary questions. Maybe we can do that another time because you, uh, I really, uh, really think that that there is some good stuff there that I think any Laura fan is going to want to have. So thank you, and hopefully I'll see you in July. I'm planning on it right now, anyway. So fantastic. I'm looking forward we'll, to that.
2: well, all things Little House will will be joined in Walnut Grove this summer.
1: I think so. So thank you, Dean, and I appreciate you coming on. And with everybody else, I want you to be sure to catch us next time for Tundle Bed (laughs) Tales.